Oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I forgot. You ready? Yeah. Wait, what is the thing? Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Haley. This is Tara. Hi, Tara. Hi, Haley. Ooh, we're changing it up. We did a little switcheroo on them. I love a little switcheroo Because today is a special episode. It's not Tuesday. Today is Sunday, and it is Mother's Day today. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there who's a mama or who's celebrating their mama, and happy Sunday to those of you who don't celebrate Mother's Day, because that's okay, too. Yeah, Mother's Day can be a hard day for a lot of people. I know that like, for sure. either it's your relationship with your mother or you're missing your mom in some form because she's either not with us anymore or you guys just don't have the sort of relationship where you would want to celebrate Mother's Day and that's completely normal and okay. Absolutely. I know that a lot of people watch this show because either it reminds them of their mom or they watch it with their mom and I think there's just a lot of mother relationships on this show that are worth diving into. Yeah we could not pass up the opportunity to talk about it on Mother's Day. Yeah because I feel like the main thing that people love about this show is the mother-daughter relationship between Mm -hmm. Lorelai and Rory is because it's so, for lack of a better word, weird. (laughs) Very unconventional. They're so close. Like, I know a lot of people say that like they have a relationship that's like Lorelai and Rory in the good ways and the bad ways Mm -hmm. because it's not always easy to be best friends with your mom when you can't be the mother. You can't pull the mother card on your own mom. Mm -hmm. Is your relationship with your mom anything like Lorelai and Rory's relationship? Um, I think now, yes. Um, oh, as an adult, it's so much easier. As an adult, it's just, it's just so different. And I think a lot of people feel very similarly because once you grow up and you are in your 20s, your 30s, etc., your parents kind of become human beings to People, you. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> rather than authority figures. I mean, I think that relationship and that air will always exist. It's just... Yeah. It feels a little more optional. So it's like, it's that thing of like, she can play the mom card, but you're like, well, I have an Uno reverse card because I'm almost 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so now I'd say that my mom and I are, I mean, my mom and I have always been very close, but I think that if we had to like break it down percentage wise, 50% of the time we had, we were like Lorelai and Rory, but then there were definitely times when we were like Emily and Lorelai or like Mrs. Kim and Lane. Hi, mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Jean. What's up? Hey. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. What about you? Yeah, I would say the same. It's like my mom and I have always been like really close, but my mom's like one of those moms. She's like always been like when we were in elementary school, like the room mom and like Mm -hmm. the like team mom and like always like making the t-shirts and like, yeah, she like everyone always makes fun of me. But like from the time I was in kindergarten until like I literally left my high school my mom laid my lunch every day for school like like every single day she's just one of those like you know she's just like a mom Mm -hmm. and she is a stay-at-home mom and so she was always like around us and so like it was like natural that she would like be very close to us totally that's how my mom was as well she was a stay-at-home mom for many many years yeah and it's just like it's so easy to just like be around her and be close to her um and then I moved away for a really long time but now that I'm back um with her we just like you know I feel like her little best friend we just like pal around together (laughs) that's how it was for me during COVID because I was home for the first time in so long I mean my family lives in Connecticut and I'm in New York so that proximity is super close which I'm very lucky for but when we were uh in the COVID times and I went home and stayed with them for 15 months I was living with my grandma and I'd see my mom every single day and it felt so good it felt so comfy because I hadn't yeah. had that opportunity in so long and it was different now the last time that I was able to do that I was in high school slash college when I would come home for the summer so like I was like 10 plus years ago and things have evolved so much and our relationship has evolved so much and again she's become more of like a human being pal to me less an authority figure um because that's just you know the way of the game but it goes I don't know if I would like break it down by like percentages because we've definitely like had our Lorelai and Rory and our Emily and Lorelai and our Lane and Mrs. Kim moments actually I had a Lane and Mrs. Kim moment with my mom related to Gilmore Girls this will like provide a funny story for my mom and context for anyone who someone messaged me saying they don't think that my love of Gilmore Girls is real that I put it on um so maybe this story will help assuage that (laughs) what who said that to you Uh, sometimes I don't like to read my dms honestly I support this so I, I don't remember what was going on like something like I was probably being like I don't know rude or annoying as I was as a teenager and was supposed to be doing something else like homework I don't know um but my mom came in and <laughs> I remember this so clearly it was paused on season six episode 13 Friday nights all right for fighting 
when Logan and Rory are standing by the coffee cart, it was just paused on Logan's face, you know, as one is one to do. Nothing was um, shocking about that. <laughs> and my mom, she like, she was like, Haley, you can't just watch Gilmore Girls all the time. No one's just going to sit around and listen to you talk about Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> wow. And- Mom, Kathy, you need to do your homework. You need to get, you like need to drive together sort of thing. And I just like to like think about that and like sometimes remind her of like her, like she used to get onto me so much about the amount that I used to watch it so much. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was, it was scary, ridiculous. And yeah, I just like to remind her of that now. And she used to like take away my box sets when I would like get in trouble. Well, at least you weren't hiding them under the floorboards. I, I know, but I did I did get them taken away. Um, but I just so clearly remember her being like, no one's going to sit around and listen to you talk about Gilmore Girls all day. You can't just watch Gilmore Girls all the time. And, and here we are. And it just it, it just made me laugh when she got she got me flowers the day that the podcast launched. And I was like, my, how the tides have turned. <laughs> oh, I love that. There have been two moments, two Emily Lorelai moments for me that when I watch them, it constantly reminds me of my mom. One is in the Bracebridge dinner when Lorelai's walking by the table right as the dinner is starting and Richard is so complimentary of the dinner and he's like, Lorelai, mm-hmm. this is wonderful. She goes, thanks, dad. And Emily goes, your dress needs pressing. And she goes, thanks, mom, because that is something <laughs> my mom would totally do. And I oh, have really? told her this before. Oh my God, she loves to iron. And if any of my clothes are ever wrinkled, she's like, um, do you want to do you want to put that on the ironing board? Do you want me to iron it? I'll iron it for you. It's something that like gets her because she loves to iron and she likes for things to be neatly pressed. So whenever yeah. Emily goes, your dress needs pressing. Thanks, mom. I'm like, that's me and my mom. And then the second moment is, I believe in season six, you would know this better than I would, but it's when Emily and Richard are driving and they get lost and they end up coming yeah. to the Dragonfly Inn. I'm okay. You're okay. Yeah, Emily and Richard call Lorelai at the Dragonfly Inn and Emily is screaming into the phone and she's like, we're calling you from the car. And Lorelai goes, okay, well, you're not calling to me from the car, so lower your voice. (laughs) That is also my mom. My mom will be like, hey. And I'm like, mom, you're screaming. I hear you. It's Bluetooth. It's okay. (laughs) Or if I'm in the car with her and she's talking at that volume to other people, I'll like put my hand on her arm and be like, shh. She's like, sorry, sorry, I'm yelling. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have that problem. My family is all very soft spoken. Okay. Um, Yeah, we are, the pendulum swings the other way in my house. (laughs) My family talking to your family would be your family never being able to hear a word that we say. (laughs) Okay, duly noted. We can't wait for that family reunion. (laughs) Yeah. What you were saying about the ironing, though, that kind of reminds me, something that I was thinking about when I was kind of preparing for this episode is like a form of mother that like, Because, like, motherhood does not always just extend to the person who gave birth to you. And a lot of the times that's, like, you know, like, neighbors or whatever. But a lot of the times it's, like, ends up being, like, a sister relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I could define a lot of, like, Lorelai or even, like, Emily and Lorelai's tendencies. Because, like, you're talking about, like, your mom is like, do you need that iron? Like, which it could be, like, a very motherly thing. But, like, that's something my sister would totally say to me. She was like, were you going to iron that before you leave? It's always like a, is that something that, like, you're doing before you leave the house? Or, like, have you left the house looking like that? Like, that sort of, like, you know, like, the I little, like, that. snippiness where you're just, like... Well, I've already left the house. What what do you have to say about like what did you have to say about this? Well, <laughs> I'm just getting back from somewhere. It's been said. It's already yeah. been said. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I totally hear that. It feels like in a lot of ways these like un- unconventional mother-daughter relationships are described as friends, but I think that like the word that's actually missing there is like they act more like sisters because there's that like I'm going to fight with you to the death, but like I'm still going to come back for Friday night dinner next week. Yeah, totally. So let's get into it. I mean, I think yeah. the overall relationship that people love to talk about when it comes to mother daughters on this show well there are three main ones i'd say yeah lorelei and rory are of course at the top then below that yeah. would be and we've named them all yeah yeah below that would be emily and lorelei and i think also mrs kim and lane like yeah. those are the three that i think of when i think of mother daughter relationships on this show but do you have a favorite of the three of those um i love the relationship between lorelei and rory because i feel like like you said that's the one but i'd say that my favorite story arc of the three 
is Lane and Mrs. Kim. I was going to say, I feel the exact same way. Like, I have so many favorite Lorelai and Rory, like, mother-daughter moments. Like, when she's moving her into Yale, and she makes her redo, like, the, like, walking into her dorm again for the first time. Like, kills me. But I love the journey that Lane and Mrs. Kim go on, because it just feels like the most, like, natural from, like, teen to being adult. Like, what we were talking about, where, like... Your mom, like you and your mom, might have a little bit more of a contentious relationship as teenagers, and mm-hmm. like slowly you're like, oh, she's a real person, and I feel like we got that from Lane and Mrs. Kim. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like even though I love the relationship between Lorelai and Emily from a story perspective and the arc that that goes through, I don't yeah. know that they ever come to a place where they like meet each other where they are as consistently yeah. as the other relationships do. It's like that will always be a mother-daughter relationship, less a we're two adults relationship. So we get glimpses of that. Like, in there's the rub when they go out to dinner. Like, yeah. those kinds of moments. But those are very few and far between. And she's saying, like, why can't we have a relationship like that? Yeah. And Lorelai sort of nails it when she says, Rory and I are best friends. We're best friends first and mother and daughter second. And you and I are mother and daughter always. And that is rings so true especially in that episode because they try to be on the same level and somehow it gets derailed and I think that this can be a moment that like it's very clear that like from both sides of it that it's neither it's really neither of their fault it's just these two people who are in this relationship Mm -hmm. who like their personalities just don't mesh together to have that sort of relationship that like Emily really wants it seems like to be that close with Lorelai but like there's something about Lorelai that like can't give herself over to that relationship. And I think on Emily's part, as much as she wants it, she can't do that either. No, because they sort of laid the foundation for their relationship very early on to a point where like they couldn't wiggle out of it. And yeah. Lorelai left at 16. And those are very informative years between 16 and 32 because that is, like you said, when we kind of realize our parents are people yeah, and not just authority figures. I do think that Emily and Lorelai do have moments like that. For sure. my favorite one, because like my favorite moments between Lorelai and Rory are like the sentimental ones where mm-hmm. they're like reuniting with hugs oh, or like when she calls her back to college. Like, oh my God, that I related to that so hard when, my, when like my parents left me at college. Like I was like sad, like I wasn't going to see my sister anymore, like my dad, but like when I, knowing that my mom wasn't going to be around anymore, I like killed me. But with Emily and Lorelai, it's a little different. Like my favorite is in season six when she's trying to buy the plane and Lorelai comes to like, just, she's like shows up at the hangar and she says, I'm going to lose her. Like I lost you. And she's like, you were never meant to like, she was never meant to be there. And Lorelai walks away and she goes, and you didn't lose me. And which is like a parallel to like uh, season one after Rory's dance when um, Lorelai is telling her that she did lose her. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of this reminder of like, that's how she grows of like this, like she's so inflammatory of like, yeah, you did lose me and you're the reason why. Yeah. But like the growth comes from like, you didn't lose me. I'm still here. Like we've got this weird relationship. So like, you know, it's not always going to be like the relationships that people have with, um, or that people's relationships aren't going to be like that best friend, but like you can still have that strong relationship that just makes sense between the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this show really encapsulates that there are a variety of different relationships that can exist between a mother and daughter and between pseudo parents and and those they take under their wing, which we'll get into. And that's what I love about this show is it's not just about Lorelai and Rory, though they are kind of the pinnacle of the show. It's called Gilmore Girls. Um, Yeah. But that a variety of different mother-daughter relationships are explored and mother-son relationships are explored. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people focus on the mother-daughter relationships, but there's so many mother-son relationships too. I know, and I can't wait to get into it. But let's start with Lorelai and Rory because I feel like we can kind of touch on that. I don't think we really need to get too deeply into it in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually have a question for you, which is kind of a loaded one, and I don't really know how I would answer this. Do you think that Lorelai was a good mother? Do you think Lorelai is a good mother? Yeah. I think on the whole, I I would agree. Yeah, it is a loaded question, and it's a really hard question to ask. And I think that there's, like, no one way to be a mother. And I think that as long as your mom is, like, doing her best, 
that's really all you can ask of her. You can't ask her to be someone else. You can't ask her to like, I don't know, go to like a four month intensive to change her entire personality to fit what would be best served for what you need. Mm -hmm. What is a good mother? Like, Mm -hmm. is it not your mother trying her best? Because Lorelai's representation of being a mom is someone who it's like, it's weird to like watch a show as like a teenager and as an adult, because you realize that Lorelai is like such a person Mm -hmm. and like why that didn't connect for me as a teenager that like, oh my God, my mom is also a person. Like my mom has her own storyline. When I go to school and I have my Chilton storyline, my mom has her own storyline too that's happening. And I think that that's helpful to realize, but I know a lot of people would say no. Seen, I've seen, I've seen the TikToks. Uh, yeah, people are like, <laughs> Lorelai was a bad mother. She was a like an irresponsible person. I mean, the reality is, she became a mom at the age of sixteen, and she yeah pulled it together for lack of a better term. She made it happen, and it's so drastically different from the way in which she was raised, which also poses the question of whether or not Emily was a good mother. And like you said, posing that question of who was a good mom, who was a bad mom, like that's so arbitrary. We can't. Yeah. Because we could we could say the same thing for like Emily and Mrs. Kim and Lorelai that like, like look at them and be like, which which one was the best mom? It's like, no, you also have to look at their daughters and like maybe they weren't like the best. Maybe there's things they could have done differently. Mm -hmm. And like it wasn't the best thing for their daughter every single time. But I think on their end, they were trying their best. Yeah. And this comes up in season six when right before Rory realizes that she wants to go back to school and when Paulinka gets sick and Lorelai is just absolutely wrecked and she's crying in Rory's bedroom while Paulinka is sick to Luke saying like, I'm a bad mother because she feels like she let her kid down. And I do think a lot of people in the fandom tend to lean on that, not that specific moment, but just her letting her daughter down. (laughs) When she's crying, they're like, yeah, you were. Yeah, you were a bad mom. (laughs) No, but I think that they tend to lean in that direction because like she's made mistakes. But the beautiful thing about this show and in all of the relationships, not just the mother-daughter ones, but specifically those because this is a mother-daughter show, what I love about it is that it shows you what real relationships look like. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be irresponsibility. Not everybody's perfect. And especially from the perspective of someone who gave up their young adult years to raise a baby and to try and be the best mom that she could, I would have to agree with you that I think given the circumstances that Lorelai did her best. Yeah. And it's not like she's like, like taking the money that Emily is giving them, Emily and Richard are giving them to pay for Rory's school to like go buy heroin on the side of the road. And like, that feels like maybe that would be a bad mom. Um, <laughs> And like her irresponsibility within the confines of the show that we're privy to as an audience, like those are all pretty benign things. Yeah. You know, she just kind of talks to her like she's a little bit of an adult but I feel like people like to pin Rory's actions sometimes on Lorelai and the way that she raised her they're like well look at her mom look at the choices that she made she had a bad example and for me I can't always 100% board that train I understand where people are coming from but I'm like "Mm," on the flip side of that can we attribute much of Lorelai's mothering tendencies to her wanting to swing the pendulum in the opposite direction of how she was raised by her own mother. And I think that's what's so wonderful about the show is like because she is trying so hard to not be her mother that like she pushes the pendulum so far that it actually comes back around over the top and she Mm -hmm. ends up being her mother anyways, which I love. Uh, That was going to be another question I asked. How do you feel like she and Emily align? Oh, it's definitely that like she ended up she ended up wanting Rory to like so like distinctly feel the same way that she did about the like wealthy world society that Emily and Richard are a part of that she pushed her so far that she became a part of it like it almost was like like when Rory met Logan she was like oh this isn't like as horrible as my mom made this seem like you're really like cute (laughs) you're really smart you're really funny uh you are hot (laughs) and I'm really into this and she like got you know like she started meeting these people and like maybe they were like eccentric but like where Rory's from it's just like they're the same people but they are now wealthy like Kirk prepared for every instance to deal with Finn so I think that like by 
pushing her away from that and like uh for so long when she was in high school like not really wanting her to be a part of that in Chilton and kind of looking down on the people at Chilton because her mom did that when she got to Yale she was like oh these aren't these people aren't as bad as I thought they were and she ends up dropping out of school and I think that in a lot of ways if Lorelai would have just like not been so pushy about it that Rory would have not gone off the deep end but not like that I'm blaming Lorelai for, for it sure. but it's more of like, that, like their communication about that would have been different she yeah. wouldn't have ended up becoming so much like her mother because that's what she was doing she was trying to control how Rory thought about something which is exactly what Emily did yeah. to Lorelai yeah in a very different capacity but I totally yeah. hear you because they're both Emily and Lorelai I would say are incredibly stubborn women like oh, yeah. if something does not go their way they throw a fit and Lorelai yeah. completely gets that from Emily they're just like on two opposite ends of the spectrum as to what sends them but they they align in such a way that's very ironic considering Lorelai attempts to be the antithesis of everything her mom is. Yeah, because I think that in some – in, like, a lot of ways that, like, that, like, relationship, like, is very cyclical and that, like, Lorelai does become a lot like Emily – Rory ends up like Emily in some ways Mm -hmm. as well as that like grandmother figure Mm -hmm. that like oftentimes replaces like a mother and in some ways in season six that's kind of what was like happening there when they would start arguing it felt like Emily was arguing with Mm Lorelai um and then Rory ends up like Lorelai like that's how this series supposedly is supposed to have said at the end is what happened that like you kind of just become your mother in a lot of ways and much to your chagrin in some ways it's just it just happens that, yeah. that woman raised you like whether or not you liked it or not it's it's hard to not let her rub off on you in some ways yeah and one of the things I wrote down in the Lorelai Emily similarities is the irony of Lorelai in Ted Koppel's Big Night Out trying to talk Emily down off the ledge when she finds out that Richard's been having lunch with Penelope Lott for many years yeah and then like later in season six very different circumstances but when Luke doesn't tell Lorelai about April yeah. That she is just like, this is a betrayal. And it and it was. But like, that she's trying to talk her mom off this ledge two seasons prior. When in actuality, like, if the same thing happened to her, she yeah. would have completely felt the same way. Oh and my gosh, I didn't think about that. I have been a Book of the Month member since 2019. Getting their signature bright blue box delivered to my door has been the most fun part of my month for years. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. Their editorial team reads hundreds of new titles, making it so easy to pick your next read. I only have to browse their highly anticipated selections to find my next favorite book. What did you end up picking for May? I picked a book I know is going to be the perfect beach, lake, park, back porch, basically outdoor sunny anywhere read. And that is The Paradise Problem. Oh my god, I loved that one. I know you love Christina Lauren, but this is actually my first time reading a book by them. The Paradise Problem is a bit like if Succession was a rom-com taking place during a wedding week on a tropical island. That is actually the perfect description for that book. Fans of our show will love it for the complex family relationships and the banter between these two as they fall in love. I cannot wait to take it to the park to read. What did you pick? Speaking of complex family relationships, I picked Real Americans by Rachel Kong. This book takes a deep dive into the Chen family via a nonlinear storyline as Lily falls in and out of love, and 15 years later, her son Nick starts wondering who his biological father is. I love that we never stray too far from a good story of family drama, but all the books from Book of the Month are good, so you can't go wrong. You also can't go wrong with the price. New release hardcovers can be so expensive, but go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PASTEL to get your first book for just $5 this month only. That's code P-A-S-T-E-L at bookofthemonth.com. To get your first book for $5 with free shipping always. Oh my gosh, that reminds me of one of my favorite Emily moments. It's when it's at the end of Driving Miss Gilmore when she's like going to buy Luke and Lorelai the The house. house, Yeah. And she tells her about it. And then in partings, which everyone knows I love partings, when she comes over for Friday night dinner and Emily's like, How are we? And she kind of like has this moment of like, You've never really seen Emily do that before. No. Be aware of her emotions. Or to like support her relationship with Luke. Yeah. And to make sure that that relationship is on even ground. Yeah. Or like really just center Lorelai's emotions and like her emotional state when she walks in the door. I was like, oh my gosh, that just 
I love that. Yeah. That, was, that was great. Speaking of becoming your mother, that's kind of the arc that we unexpectedly see from Lane and Mrs. King. I know. I was just thinking the same thing. Because she, like, we start and she's, like, hiding music and her whole life from Mrs. Kim and this very strict life that she has for her. By the end of it, she is helping her hide all of her everything in her home because her mother is Buddhist and she doesn't know that she's Christian. I wrote that down. I said finding out that Mrs. Kim had a Mrs. Kim in uh, I Get a Sidekick Out of You was the best. That was so like that was the best thing ever to go from like Mrs. Kim finding all of Lane's music all over her room to like helping her hide things and like or like when Mrs. Kim brings like the the alcohol that's up in the cabinet down do you remember that I do when she just like they pour shots does it and then they do a second one and she's just like you're like oh my god Mrs. Kim has hiding spots like it's oh, my favorite brilliantly done yeah also quick ask do we know what Mrs. Kim's name is no and I love it. Even Lorelai calls her Mrs. Kim. I was thinking about this. I was like, Mrs. Kim. Even Lane like refers to her as Mrs. Kim. Yes. She calls her mama, but like Of she... course. But like, you know when like sometimes like you were saying that uh you call your mom Kathleen sometimes? Like she never does that. She yeah. calls her Mrs. Mine's Kim. more of like she's not listening to me and I'd be like, Kathleen. But that's the thing. I feel like if Lane were to do that, she'd be like, Hello, Mrs. Kim. <laughs> yeah, they don't have that sort of relationship. <laughs> Like, it's it's just so fascinating to me, especially from Lorelai, where, like, Lorelai would call another parent by their first name. Like, hey, Judy. Like, not yeah. Mrs. Kim. Why is Mrs. Yeah. Kim's name Judy? <laughs> Does she ever interact with another parent? I mean, she interacts in One's Got Class and the Other One Dies with, um, what's that woman's name? With the blonde oh. hair and she calls her... She calls her like Trish or something. Because she, she, she says, it. you're so bad. You, oh, you rat. You rat. You know I hate being called... Fuck. Deb. Deb. Debbie. She's like, you know I hate being called Deb. And then at the end of the episode where she's like, well, Deb, I have to say Deb, even though I don't go to the same hair si- yeah. stylist as you, Deb, oh, it yeah. gets me. But you're right. She doesn't really interact with any other quote unquote parents. But, you yeah. know, like Ian Jack. <laughs> lest we forget Ian Jack. Oh, man. That's for the Patreon listeners. But when it comes to Mrs. Kim, it's just the irony of the fact that she calls her mrs kim everybody calls her mrs kim yeah i love that i love in um double date when they have the is it the mom code in yes. is that the episode that's when rory lies to lorelei so that lorelei doesn't have to lie to mrs kim and that's something that i wrote down here too like i feel like lorelei and mrs kim though they like tend to kind of butt heads a bit there's a mutual understanding there of like i still respect you as the mother to lane and I know yeah. we'll get into this a little more when we talk about pseudo parents, but like as Lane's pseudo parent, Lorelai still was like, well, your mom still has rules and I have to respect those rules. And that really comes out for the first time in Double Date. It, it takes a couple of seasons for Mrs. Kim to really see how good of a person Lane is. Like um, when she runs into Luke on the street in, uh, what is that episode? Is it season four? Season four After- when it snows. Yeah after Lane's been out and she's like Lane's not going to be at work tomorrow and Luke's like I know she called me and it just like it breaks my heart because like she broken she realizes she raised like a good person but like they just like can't meet each other where they are yeah but also I can't remember what episode it is when when Lorelai is like Lane's a good kid I think it's no, but I do think it's double date. I do think in double date when is? she comes to Kim's antiques after everything happens, she's like... Because then she can call Rory, right? She gets yes, phone privileges. she gets like five minutes of phone time a day because Mrs. Kim actually does hear Lorelai when she talks, especially yeah. in that episode. Even yeah. though I don't think that Mrs. Kim necessarily respects Lorelai as a mother and that's made clear from She doesn't trust unmarried women, as we learned in the pilot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think that she does tend to hear Lorelai out when it comes to Lane because she understands how uh, close Lane and Lorelai are. One of my favorite lines in that episode is when <laughs> Lorelai says, I don't want Rory to turn out like me. And Mrs. Kim goes, I don't want Lane to turn out like you either. <laughs> that is Mrs. Kim's honesty coming out. But it, it really yeah. is true. She doesn't want Lorelai to have too much of an influence on Lane. She just wants her to. I think that she tends to have too much of a tight grasp, a seemingly tight grasp on Lane. Because I've seen a lot of people say that Mrs. Kim is a bad mom. And I think it goes back to exactly what I was saying before. It's like Mrs. Kim was doing what 
she thought was best. And I, I would say that I equate Mrs. Kim and Lane to Emily and Lorelai. Oh, yeah. I feel like they both grew up in houses that made them feel suffocated and unable to embrace their individuality, which is why they swing in the opposite direction. It does make you wonder if um, if Lorelai had had someone that like gave her a little bit of an outlet to like express these crazy interests of like music and just like listen to her like crazy banter other than a boyfriend that maybe she would have been able to like stay at home and like follow follow the path that they wanted her to in, a, in some way. And I think she kind of finds that in Mia. That's one of the reasons I would love to see a prequel series is because I would love to know yeah. what the relationship between Mia and Lorelai was leading up to because we only see Mia really once because I think that with Mia and Lorelai we get that pseudo parent energy as well even though like we've spoken to previously on the pod she was sort of used as a plot device to like inform us more with Emily yeah, yeah. but she I would love to see what their relationship was like because was she the Lorelai to Lane like was that her Lorelai Gilmore because I don't know that that's necessarily true or was she just a woman who took her in gave her a job and said like you have a safe space here. That doesn't necessarily mean that she encouraged her to be an individual. I would say contextually from the episode that she's in, I would say there probably was like a little bit of a mother-daughter relationship that she was like I'd agree like with a that. pseudo parent yeah because of the way that Luke reacts to her when she comes into the diner mm-hmm. he's so excited to see her like Mia is such like a warm like comforting parental figure for these people who have like because Luke lost his mother so like I wonder if like she sort of played that sort of role because she remembers him as a kid and when Jess is like ignoring her a little bit he's like no you're nice to Mia and it's just like there's not a lot of people that Luke feels that endeared to so I think contextually we can kind of get a sense of that that relationship but you're right I would love to see what it looked like for an inn owner to find a 16 year old girl with I guess 17 because Rory's a year old at that point like baby girl show up at her inn and be like yeah come live in my shed <laughs> I've seen that go wrong in a lot of like I don't listen to true crime podcasts but um I feel like that could have gone really wrong but uh love that this one went right <laughs> I'm yes I think we're all grateful that it went correctly <laughs> but and I think like you said before I think that Mia was used as a plot device to show us that like Emily there's like a little bit of jealousy there and I feel like we see a lot of Emily throughout the series trying to overcorrect with certain people mm-hmm. on like kind of what she didn't get with Lorelai like she's almost trying to like make up for the past even though she seemingly doesn't think that she did anything wrong as a parent um but what's interesting and this is one of the lesser talked about quote-unquote pseudo parents and I wouldn't even really put this in the category of pseudo parents it's just fun to talk about in the episode dead uncles and vegetables Emily like really takes over when she learns that Suki is getting married and like sort of takes the reins and starts to like help her with all of these things. And I think that that's just Emily as like a party planner to begin with. But I would say, and Lorelai speaks to this later in the episode, that it was really Emily embracing that she finally had like a quote unquote daughter figure to plan a wedding for. And what's interesting about that is that with Suki, we never learn anything about Suki's family. Her parents are not at the wedding. They're not there to help her when she... Are they alive? Do we know if her mother's alive? No idea. Like it's never talked about. So I feel like Suki was sort of leaning into that mother figure a little bit, which is what makes it kind of a pseudo parent type relationship. I would say that too, because I feel like the way that Suki is responding, Emily's like eating up because she's so grateful. She loves to hear her ideas. She wants to like hear what she has to say, like her opinions. And Emily's like, oh my God, this is all I've ever this wanted is what I've someone wanted. to like listen to me talk about tablecloths because I have like really good opinions and taste here. Like, and it's like what she wanted from Lorelai to like, to say that like, this is kind of like a pseudo sort of like mother relationship arc just for this one episode just to like showcase how different Emily and Lorelai are but like you're right it just she has that moment of like it feels like your mom is helping you plan your wedding yeah and again I don't think Suki had that and we don't know why it's just something we never see something that's never touched on she kind of plans a lot of it on her own or with Jackson or with Lorelai helping out it's less what you and I would probably experience where our moms would want to be super involved and of course Emily's sitting there going like I have no idea if Lorelai's ever going to get married and if she is if I'll ever be allowed to do something like this so she sort of jumps on it and then later in the episode when Lorelai's like you're planning my wedding she's like no I'm not but also I'm probably standing in your reception hall and I loved 
that line, that like little nod to like, I know that you're going to marry this man. I know that you're interested in this man. And it was just, uh, I actually really liked that episode. And I watched it in preparation for this, for this episode. We watched very different episodes in preparation for this. I'll tell, I'll tell everyone which one I watched when we get the, get to that point. Yeah. Um, but it just, that kind of reminds me of in the same way that like, I guess we could say pseudo parent, but even like, like, grandmothers can be considered parents because I feel like Emily used Rory in that same way um just throughout the series in like various ways that like she was using her as a replacement Lorelai because she said I think it's in um is it in House is Not a Home or in New and Improved Lorelai New and Improved Lorelai yeah when she says you had the daughter you always wanted congrats it's it's in a new and improved Lorelai because she brings over all her stuff mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and drops it in you've got the daughter you've always went congrats is what she says yes and so it's like that's kind of what Emily is doing with Rory and oh and continues to as the season goes on in let me yeah. hear your balalink is ringing out she says wait until your father gets home and Rory goes you mean my grandfather and it was such a moment of like oh Emily <laughs> and throughout the series anytime that she can like get her get her hands on Rory she's gonna like you know she like decorates the room with things that she like quote unquote might like and um she's always trying to like tell Lorelai things that she knows about Rory or like at school like when she this is I think you've mentioned this before when they're like celebrating that she's in the top three (laughs) percent she was like who do you know at school Rory Rory. in the episode Emily in Wonderland when she sees where Lorelai and Rory used to live but she's walking around in her suit and her tennis shoes I love that the best and that's when she meets Mrs. Kim on the topic of the two of them kind of uh being very similar the friendship that we needed that we absolutely needed more of that's what the mini series should have been like the digital shorts it should have been should have also Emily. included Emily and Mrs. Kim yeah but at the end of that episode when when Lorelai and Rory come to the house and Emily has decorated this entire room just for Rory and Lorelai's like you bought her Cosmo girl and you did this and she's like well it's better than a shed and she's really trying yeah. to like give Rory that safe space and then when Rory does run away in P.S. I Love at the end of season one and she goes to Emily and Richard's house. Emily is so smug about the fact that Rory ran away and came to them. And when yeah. she's on the phone with Lorelai, she's like, she's in her room, Lorelai. And Lorelai's like, I'm looking at her room, mom. Her she's room not in her room. Yeah. Her room is here. And she's like, mm, well, okay, I've yeah. got to go. Like, it's so smug because that validates her. That yeah. validates her Which, as a mother. I love that parallel because that one of my favorite ways that Amy does parallels is to kind of like take a moment that happened earlier in the series and escalate it exponentially and blow it up which is like she runs away to Emily and Richard's house and has that room that Emily set up for her and then what do we see because this was in season one and then what do we see in season the end of five beginning of six she runs away to Emily and Richard's house and they give her a whole pool house that they've decorated for her like to her specifications or however Emily would see that she would want it decorated Mm -hmm. so like we get that like small setup of like the small taste of what this could be if it got any bigger and then we see it happen totally so I love I love that because I think that a lot of ways Emily really is a mother figure to Rory because she really she really cares about her and really takes care of her and um like puts a lot of effort and time into her granddaughter Mm -hmm. but is really trying in a lot of ways even if she's not doing it like even if it's just subconscious she is really trying to like like pull her in as like the Lorelai that she never got because she still is a Lorelai technically that's very Um, true and there are a lot of people that I feel try to be pseudo parents to Rory on the topic of just mothers like I don't know that they necessarily try, but two people that we know and love from the town, Babette and Miss Patty, they, like, I wouldn't say are, like, pseudo-parents, but more, like, fun aunts. Like, fun inherited aunts. And I think that that's, like, the, like, it takes a village sort of thing is, like, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old raising a daughter. Like, it seems like they moved in next door to Babette, and Babette was like, well, I'm your fun aunt now. Yes, exactly. Because they don't have kids that we know of. Well, yeah. Babette doesn't. She's got her cats. Babette has her cats. Those are her babies. And then like we don't we know that Miss Patty has been married several times, but we're pretty confident that there were no children that came out of yeah. that. So they kind of like love to be just like the fun, supportive yeah. women. They're very protective. Yeah. They, yeah. Like when they go to um when they go to Europe and Babette called like every consulate. Oh my god. Or at the end of the series when they're like 
wait, we can't come to the graduation. Yeah. We can't come to Rory's graduation, which made me laugh because no, like that's not a thing. But it was just, it was so funny that they were all like, well, what are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> and they like throw a graduation just for them because they feel, they feel like, like family. family for sure. Yeah. Your family can extend to like the next door neighbors nearby. Of course. Especially in a town that like that. It feels like fairy godmothers is really what they feel like. Yeah. Definitely. I would love Miss Patty to be my fairy godmother. Yes, for <laughs> sure. And on the topic of pseudo parents for like a day almost, or pseudo parents for like seemingly an episode, Rory also kind of gets that from Sherry a little bit in season two when we meet Sherry and she comes to her speech or her debate or whatever, wherever Christopher brings her. And they end up in It Should Have Been Lorelai. They end up spending the evening together and Chris goes to Friday Night Dinner with Lorelai instead. And it's one of those situations where I feel like Sherry is trying so hard to be kind of a motherly figure to her, even before she and Chris are engaged, because this is long before Sherry gets pregnant. She really wants to be in Rory's life. And she's like very much, she very much communicates that very plainly and clearly to her that this is her intention. And what's funny about that is the people it ruffles two people's feathers it ruffles emily and lorelei's feathers because it feels like lorelei because she is her mom and because of the situation and emily because she wants more for lorelei but because she also is rory's mother figure in this way so she has like that double barrel staring down that sherry is doesn't really understand at all but what's interesting is it doesn't seem to if it does ruffle Lorelai's feathers, she's trying to keep it at bay because it doesn't yeah. seem to really bother her until the Bracebridge dinner when, um, is it the, is it the Bracebridge dinner where Christopher calls Lorelai and he's like, Hey, I just kind of wanted to know if Rory wanted to spend Christmas here with us. We have a spare room, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Because then she puts the picture of the ugly baby underneath, uh, Rory's pillow. Yeah. And Rory's like, Hey, have you heard from dad? And she's like, what dad, your dad? She's like, yeah my dad and then she kind of like breaks down she's like yes he called and invited you you can yeah. go spend and then having this conversation the in the yes yeah. with the ugly baby picture and she's like you can go spend the holidays with your stupid stepmother and she's like whoa you're wigging yeah <laughs> because more like kind of spirals that's the first time that it becomes real for her but is that before it should have been Lorelai is that before she meets Sherry because after at the end of it should have been Lorelai, Christopher and Lorelai get in a huge fight about it. And then um, they don't reconcile do. until Rory gets into that car accident. So this was actually before she even met Sherry. So I feel like by the time she does meet Sherry, she kind of tries to keep her her feelings at bay. Bracebridge dinner, Sherry is still a figment of our imagination. She's still just a person that's talked about, less a person yeah. that actually exists. And so when she does come in four episodes later and is trying so hard to be a part of Rory's life, Lorelai's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to accept this. And Emily, like you said, is the one to be like, no, absolutely yeah. not. She's trying to get her claws in her. And Lorelai's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're with <laughs> Exactly. I think it's more of a perspective, though, of less about like, it's seemingly less about Rory. Rory's more of the excuse. It is more about Lorelai because the fight ultimately been like as this episode title indicates it should have been you like you should be it's the more one about Lorelai shows and Chris up for. getting yeah. together of course and yeah. then that just continues to be exasperated when Sherry gets pregnant yeah I have been a book of the month member since 2019. Getting their signature bright blue box delivered to my door has been the most fun part of my month for years. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. Their editorial team reads hundreds of new titles, making it so easy to pick your next read. I only have to browse their highly anticipated selections to find my next favorite book. What did you end up picking for May? I picked a book I know is going to be the perfect beach, lake, park, back porch, basically outdoor sunny anywhere read. And that is The Paradise Problem. Oh my God, I loved that one. I know you love Christina Lauren, but this is actually my first time reading a book by them. The Paradise Problem is a bit like if Succession was a rom-com taking place during a wedding week on a tropical island. That is actually the perfect description for that book. 
Fans of our show will love it for the complex family relationships and the banter between these two as they fall in love. I cannot wait to take it to the park to read. What did you pick? Speaking of complex family relationships, I picked Real Americans by Rachel Kong. This book takes a deep dive into the Chen family via a non-linear storyline as Lily falls in and out of love, and 15 years later, her son Nick starts wondering who his biological father is. I love that we never stray too far from a good story of family drama, but all the books from Book of the Month are good, so you can't go wrong. You also can't go wrong with the price. New release hardcovers can be so expensive, but go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PASTEL to get your first book for just $5 this month only. That's code P-A-S-T-E-L at bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for $5 with free shipping always. Wait, what do you feel about Sherry? Because when we meet her, I think that we're supposed to hate her because she works in sales for L'Oreal. She shows up in heels. Her hair looks perfect. Like Her, her dress, dress doesn't wrinkle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think that we're supposed to not like her. But like, honestly, if I met Sherry today, I'd be like, oh, my God, like, be my friend. Yeah, she seems really fun. And it seems like she's just she trying. She seems like she would really always show hard. up on time to your birthday party always have a present like she just seems like she would just like you know like she would organize brunches for the girls like yeah I mean when you see her baby shower that's super indicative of those qualities about her I I I think the only reason that I was just like "Mm, I don't know how I feel about you is because you know she wasn't Lorelai and I think it's I think for me it's because when we first meet her she seems like this really I don't know, cool woman mm-hmm. in my perspective now. But then she kind of becomes like a caricature a little bit when she's like planning her C-section and which like I've totally known women to do that. So like maybe not quite far from the truth, but it's just so interesting to me that the person who is there for the birth of the baby is Rory. Mm-hmm. Like this person who she's maybe trying to be she doesn't seem like she's trying to be as much of a mother figure for anymore. Like No, she's trying to be more of a pal. And yeah. there there's nothing wrong with that because you have to have some sort of relationship with that person if they're going to marry one of your parents. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but there has to be some yeah, sort of foundation. She's her stepmother, yeah. yeah. She's a stepmother. And I think when it comes to Sherry, people love to argue about Sherry as a mom to Gigi, which we never actually see. We only hear about. Yeah. We see Sherry before she's a mom, literally, right yeah. before she's a mom, right, all up right until the moments before. moment before <laughs> that thing is pushed yeah. out of her body. Yeah. But we only see this woman three times in the entire series. The whole rest of Sherry's character is built on a foundation of storytelling from the characters yeah. that we meet. So her yeah. abandoning Gigi is is a device it's a plot device because now chris is in the position that lorelei was in right yeah but on the whole i think when it comes to mothers like lesser discussed moms sherry is one of those people because we only really talk about her from the perspective of how she was a mom to Gigi, less this kind of like pseudo parent attempt as we just talked about with rory and when it comes to Gigi, it sounds like i mean i don't really know how to speak to to this because it's all hearsay from different characters but it sounds like she eventually has the relationship with Gigi that Chris kind of has with Rory maybe not as deep but by the end of it all we can only really understand from season seven and maybe the revival I think that people love to blame Gigi's upbringing when we do finally really meet her in season six and we see what a terror she is and then I don't know she just bothers me in season seven as well yeah I think that people love to kind of like put that on Sherry and like she left and she abandoned her. And in actuality, it's like she really was just a plot device to get Chris to step up as a parent. Yeah. Because we don't know what kind of parent he was leading up to that. No, which is it's really interesting, though, that the way that they set that up is like Sherry was trying to plan Gigi. Gigi was unplanned and she was trying so hard to like plan her down to the moment of when she would enter this world world and into her life and then it seemed like she kind of like found a new her because she was moving with her yoga instructor Mm -hmm, to Paris mm -hmm. and like kind of seemed like now she was going off on a new plan and that Gigi wasn't a part of it anymore and that she just like like literally just left like ran away to Paris like I don't think that I think that she like left a note or something like yeah she left a letter with the nanny and the nanny gave it to him yeah it was just it seemed very out of character for how she 
had planned. Which I think was like, the, I think it was the point. Of course. That it was supposed to be kind of funny. Yeah. But it just was like, wow, she really just left. But like, that's when it like, I know that we really don't talk about Chris this way, but like he ultimately had to do what a lot of fathers end up doing which is like play the role of both parents Mm -hmm. he had to be her mother and her father because he was a single parent um which i think that like given what i know about chris that makes sense for why Gigi ended up the way that she did scribbling on Lorelai's floor like that in yeah in that episode of course but i think that that could go either way i mean another lesser talked about mother-daughter pairing because we can't stand them is Anna and April. (laughs) Or as I called them, Kirkland Signature and Lorelai and Rory. Exactly. And with Anna, I mean, it was, the circumstances were vastly different because Luke did not abandon the situation. Luke didn't know about the situation. I watched that episode the other day. Oh, you did? Not in preparation for this, but just I I was watching, I watch the show sometimes. (laughs) Um, And she said, I saw you in a parking lot or something a couple years ago. And I waved. And I thought maybe you just didn't see me or you didn't wave back. And it's like, could you imagine having a baby? seeing the father across the parking lot you'd just wave at them and hope that he wouldn't be like hey what's up yeah what's going on in your life yeah that whole storyline to me i mean we can get into that in a deeper dive in another episode but like that whole relationship and and pairing to me was very interesting it just feels like they're trying to in their relationship just make a new version of Lorelai and Rory's relationship that Luke then has to contend with um and it just always it always felt weird to me I've always felt like Anna was always irresponsible in a lot of ways like she just kind of let April run off and get a DNA sample from a stranger and didn't know where she was but then wouldn't let her spend the night at Luke's with all of her friends like wouldn't let her have a sleepover it was really weird what she like she would pick and choose the mom card kind of like Lorelai yeah but like in really it's almost like she was playing the mom card more to Luke exactly in a lot of ways because it's like she got mad that her daughter's father's fiance was there and she's like how am I going to explain this to other parents baby girl how are you going to explain to everyone that it was your daughter who did a science fair project who figured out who the identity of her father was when you could have just told her how are you telling people that yeah. how are you going to explain that one away Anna yeah so it you know even in the revival April seems to have like turned out pretty weird um yeah despite the fact that she has like a funky cool mom that is who we to don't like see in the revival which was uh, made sense but was also very interesting yeah. um yeah, but i'm glad i we again we can do like a deeper dive into anna and april and luke in that whole situation but just to speak to mothers and daughters and their relationships with one another i think that you know that is one that is lesser discussed because it's one that we don't really want to care about and kind of the same with sherry and Gigi. they're like kind of adjacent to the lorelei and rory relationship for sherry and Gigi, it's meant to be like the way that Lorelai says in the um, baby shower episode, uh, take the deviled eggs, Rory, Gigi, you know, like yeah. it's, I, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair because it's Lorelai, Georgia. Yep. I totally get it. But I think that these two mother daughter pairings were sort of meant to be, like you said, like Kirkland's signature. Yeah. And they're showing us, they're both there to show us more about Chris and in turn show us more about Luke. Yeah. But it's through this like relationship that is seemingly like kind of paralleling Roy and Lorelai. Yeah, for sure. It's a storytelling, which makes sense because this show is about the two of them. Yeah. But on that note, oftentimes what gets lost in mother children relationships on this show, I think, are mother and son relationships. Um, namely Let's talk about Luke's storytelling we have that with Luke and Liz and Jess yes which is so interesting because it's very similar to Sherry in that for a while Liz is just either the person on the other end of a phone call or just a, a person that we only know anything about through storytelling from other characters yeah. and ironically I feel like her character and Jess's character are like ships passing in the night because we get the crossover of them in season four when she finally makes her entrance into Luke Steiner and she finds out where the car is. And you can tell that she's trying to salvage her relationship with Jess now that we've put a face to this name, to this phantom character that we've heard so much about that has seemingly been painted as like an irresponsible mom who doesn't know how to handle her kid, who's made some seemingly irresponsible choices herself. And subsequently we've seen, we've only seen the product of, her choices as a mom in Jess's character. We've never really yeah. seen her choices 
in action, right? And then in season four, she arrives on the scene and we can tell she's trying to salvage that relationship by by telling Jess where his car is and then he comes and takes it and then like his character is now reintroduced into the series. And then we see him again when he's got to walk her down the aisle. But I will say that that. like, I do think some people tend to be like, I love, you know, the story of Liz and Jess. I don't really feel personally like we get a lot of Liz Jess story. We get two ish episodes of crossover between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And we see more of the story arc between Jess and Luke and Liz and Luke and Liz and TJ and her sort of finding someone that even though he's a complete goofball, she has found stability with for her. That's her soulmate completely. And she has clearly found some stability, but I can't say for certain that we see like a story arc between Jess mending his relationship with his mom or his dad. I think the point of the spinoff was for us to see him mend his relationship with his father from being with a father figure through Luke for a couple seasons and then allowing that to translate. Oh, I actually never considered that, that they were doing a spinoff of a mother-daughter show that was maybe going to be a father-son show. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I never made that connection. Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't make that connection for a long time, but that was what it was sort of intended to be. And subsequently, we don't ever really get any resolution between Jess and his mom or Jess and his dad. There may be like some talk about it. You know, Liz will mention Jess here and there, but like, The real story arc with Jess, I I think especially in Last Week Fights, This Week Tights, we see Jess reconcile with his mom for Luke, yeah, not for Liz. He's doing it because he knows that it's important for Luke. That's where the mending of his, like the broken foundation of his relationship with Luke starts to sort of come together. Which I think is really realistic that like that a lot of the times you can't quite come to a place within yourself to forgive that mother figure in your life whether it's your mother or someone else Mm -hmm. that like you can't really forgive them for yourself but you know that it is best for someone who you really love Mm -hmm. to move forward in that way and that you can make them happy and provide this for them that it doesn't take as much from you to do it for them Mm -hmm. so I think that that's that's extremely realistic in that aspect of like having to like maybe you can't forgive your mom but there's someone in your life that you want to, they want to see that for you. And so you can kind of do that, which I think we see throughout the series, because you're right, we don't really see this relationship between Liz and Jess, but in the revival, we kind of see that he is like, in some ways, because he's so stable, a bit of a caretaker for her still, Mm -hmm. or like grows into that, because it's like she's gotten herself into a cult, and he came to like try and help Luke with the situation. Yeah. So it's like, he's still doing these things for Luke. And maybe at this point, it's more of like, out of like a little bit of like an, maybe he has like, an admiration for his mom in a new way but it still seems that same sort of thing of like he did this because of Luke which is like the effects of his mom because his mom sent him to live with Luke Mm -hmm. because she couldn't quote unquote take care of him anymore she couldn't deal with him Mm -hmm. because he was out of control when she was in some ways the one she was out of control and as a result so was he and she couldn't those two things couldn't deal with each other which it's I think I mentioned before is that a lot of this happened or I think we learn in exposition in storytelling that this happened after their mom died. Like Luke and Liz's mom died. And then this led Liz down this path of like being with like bad men and like ending up with Jimmy Mariano. Mm -hmm. So like it's like the effects of her own dealing with the grief of her own mother Mm -hmm. caused this in her that maybe she wasn't able to show up in the same way. Which is interesting that you bring that up because I do feel like Jess's relationship with his mom kind of informs the way that he is as a partner because it seems like Mm -hmm. her losing her mom informed the way she was as a partner again we we can only infer this based on the things that we've been told by the characters but like with Jess I feel like he tends to like withdraw like he's more absent and I wonder if that has to do not just with his father bolting but also with his mom kind of being like I don't know how to handle you and yeah subsequently I think that it took Jess a really long time to learn how to handle his own emotions because he wasn't under the care of somebody who knew how to either and I would argue that like Luke was still figuring that out too by the time they come together but it's interesting the ways in which the men on this show specifically when it comes to like Jess and Rory Dean and Rory Logan and Rory and even Richard and Emily yeah like the way that their relationships with their moms also impact their relationship with their partners yeah and I think I think that is really true with Liz and Jess is that he probably didn't know how to have a partner 
how has he ever seen like an example of how you would like go about courting someone or go about showing someone your intentions in like a healthy way that like doesn't feel like you're just kind of like loitering around their life until they break up with their boyfriend at a dance marathon yeah yeah for sure (laughs) and it's it's Luke is the one that kind of helps guide him into this and you're right he still hasn't quite figured it out for himself Mm -hmm. but I think that a lot of the ways that he shows up for Rory is like that you're right that withdrawn like I don't really know how to do this like yeah for sure and I think that that kind of harkens back to what we were talking about in like father like daughter when we were talking about daddy issues like obviously Jess has daddy issues but Jess has mommy issues because he has mommy issues because she didn't necessarily teach him the fundamentals like their relationship never lent itself to him developing healthy relationships with women oh wait that makes sense that when Lorelai who is an authority figure in some ways comes up to him and like takes the beers trying to be pals with him and he's like no I'm not having this Mm -hmm. I had someone who tried to be my pal and it no I'm not here for this exactly yeah, I've never really thought about it that way yeah. that's interesting that like he couldn't quite accept that from her and I'd argue that like the other mother-son relationships that we see on this show kind of tend to inform the way that those men like I said before treat the women that they're with like with Dean you know in that damn Donna Reed he's like well my damn mom Donna Reed makes yes. dinner oh my for my dad every night so like that's his idea of what a relationship should be and then all of us in the audience went what and then you heard it in the show we said d are you okay and then when it comes to logan like we get a glimpse into shira and her relationship with mitchum which you know shira mitchum logan that whole trio of humans we can get into in a deeper dive which is the episode that i watched in preparation for this which was but i'm a gilmore when rory goes to meet the Huntsburgers and Shira is the one that's there. Because it seems like based on what Emily says to Shira in We've Got Magic to Do when she sort of reads her for filth, one of the best moments of all time. something that I wrote down which this is an interesting mother moment because this is Rory's mother figure at this point in the series her grandmother defending her against Logan's mother. Mm -hmm. So I had never thought about that until this moment for some reason. Totally. That it's like mother against mother here. Yeah. Because Shira seemingly marries into this family with kind of from what we can discern like she's not really bringing anything to the table right she's a two-bit gold digger fresh off the bus from hicksville Mm -hmm. whereas you look Uh. at rory and rory is very smart very educated comes from a very prestigious family and she's looking at her going like logan what about that fallon girl you know and logan's like no absolutely not i'm not doing that which and it's just the fact at that dinner that rory wants to be she wants to work in journalism emily's always saying like that she wants to work in newspapers and that's like the whole reason that it seems like because she's not willing to like fork over her life to be a woman of you know like on the pediatric hospital board like she is and just like she doesn't want to just fundraise for the rest of her life but what's ironic is that I don't think we really know or discover too much about Odette but what ends up happening is Logan marries somebody who he doesn't he's not necessarily in love with because we can tell in revival he's still in love with Rory and marries for the dynastic plan yeah and that's so sad because like I feel like a lot of people in season five they like aren't really sure about Logan like you either really liked him or you really didn't because you're like who is this guy Mm. and you can clearly see how his relationship with his mother informed how he goes about interacting with women because like he's very charming he's very cute he's very funny very smart as the Gilmore Girls Wikipedia page said he's charming smart flirty and witty but in reality has very low (laughs) self-esteem <laughs> Which made me laugh so hard. But I think it's true. I think that he doesn't like value himself as like a romantic partner or as like someone's like a love that someone could have because he's always had that like mother behind him being like, you have to find the right girl. She has to have like the right family. She has to have all of these qualities that I need for her to have. And that's the kind of person that you have to be with. So it's almost like he's just like going through life 
until the right person that they deem right comes along. But then Rory comes along. But what's interesting about that, and back to Emily reading Shira for Filth in We've Got Magic to Do, is I feel like that relationship that Shira has with Logan and the encouragement there is very similar to Trix and Richard. Because I feel like when Emily reads her for Filth, she's really talking to Gran. Like that is her version of being like, "Um, who are you to tell my granddaughter that she's not good enough? Because Emily spent a long time feeling not good enough. And that's because Richard had a very, very coddled relationship. He was very coddled. Yeah. But I would say it's really different than the way that Shira and Logan, because like we really only see them interact that one time. But like, I like struggle to see Logan viewing Shira in any sort of positive way. Because when um, Rory and Lorelai are on the outs in 21 is the loneliest number, and Logan says, I know you miss your mom. That's a hard concept for me to grasp. For but sure. It's like very clear that like. He does not feel the same way about Shira that Richard feels about his mother for sure that is completely different I just mean to say that like they both pushed their ideal of the perfect woman onto their sons well interestingly Richard heard his mother out and still went in the other direction and and went with Emily Logan didn't listen to his mom and in turn chose Rory yeah they chose their Gilmore girl can you imagine going to a dinner like that and like meeting someone's mom for the first time and one of the first things you hear them say is like shouldn't you be with that other girl that I like Uh, and that's why I equate Shira and Trix to be very similar and like that relationship is weird anyways because like why is he calling her Trix I mean I don't know it may be a generational thing but their relationship was very clearly like he was coddled in a lot of different ways yeah and she very much disapproved of Emily and in that same regard we don't really get a glimpse into Emily's relationship with her mother so I feel like she's constantly seeking approval for Trix yeah knowing that she doesn't like her and then that translates to Richard because when Richard and Trix are together Richard seems to side with his mother I was gonna say like Emily. it's so weird that he doesn't see what she does to Emily or if he does he ignores it yeah because he like wants to think the best of his mom but I will say his relationship with his mom brings out some of my favorite moments of Emily and Lorelai as a mother-daughter relationship for sure like when they go to lunch at the independence inn that i just feel like this like cyclical like feeling about like feeling on the outs with tricks and richard yeah. for some reason pulls emily closer to lorelei in like a very endearing way yeah for sure but on the whole i do feel like the men in this show their relationships with their mothers definitely inform the way that they treat the women that they're with yeah and we also spoke to at the end of last week's episode the ways in which uh the men in rory's life like logan dean jess etc do also possess some of the qualities of her mother yeah and we'll have more to say about that on tuesday's episode Follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast and make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on now as we will have a new episode out every Tuesday because we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Patreon where you can support the pod, join our Gilmore Obsessed community, and access bonus episodes every month.